Hello and welcome to the 50th episode of Horror Court Trash Over. Wow. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we talk about the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. And yeah. Doesn't time fly. 50. 50 episodes. 50. We, I mean, when we, when we started this, we had obviously no idea whether anyone would even bother with it. But here we are, 50 episodes later. People still say nice things about it. People are still listening, so... That's over two whole days of us talking. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for sticking by us and listening to yeah. us chatting shit about films. Uh, I mean, we've, we've, we've spoke about some fucking shit, haven't we? Yeah, we have actually. <laughs> um, I, 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 before I met you, Gary, I probably didn't watch too many... I didn't deliberately watch too many shit films. Um, so th- that's something you've brought to my life. Yeah, change, change your life for the better. Really. <laughs> and obviously I've, I've watched them religiously for years. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you know, we've obviously we, we've spoken about some Oscar-nominated, Oscar-winning films, you know. Yeah, we've, yeah. We've, uh, we've spoke about directors. And it's, yeah, we've, we've came a long way and I'm happy with what we've done. And I think this is the perfect way to... Uh, Spend our 50th episode. I think this encapsulates uh, sort of what we're going for. Um, the film we're talking about is Polyester, um, John Waters' masterpiece. Yeah. So, obviously, John Waters is uh, the, the king of trash, or the Pope of trash, as is known. Um, Divine uh, is also a, a cult icon, a gay icon, uh, I mean, obviously, John Waters is a gay icon as well. So, you know, I mean, Divine's in our logo, for Christ's sake. Yeah, so. and, and we love John Waters' films. Yeah. We, we love them. Yeah. We've seen them all. Um, for the most part, we've really enjoyed them. Uh, we, we get his sense of humour. Um, we thoroughly entertained by sort of everything he's put on the screen. Yeah, we, we saw him live. We've seen him live, yeah, do his, his talk. Was it last year? Yeah. Yeah, he is a one-man talk. It was just really a talk, mm-hmm. really, to be fair. Um, but yeah, we love him. And so we thought this would be a perfect film to do a uh, our 50th podcast on. Yeah, it's my favourite John Waters film. Um, I, I think it's perfect in every way. Yeah, it's up there with me. Yeah, absolutely. It was released in 1981, uh, as you know, as we've just said, it's directed by John Waters, and it was released on a $300,000 budget. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure whether it was successful or not. Uh, It didn't say on IMDb. This was essentially John Waters going mainstream, as mainstream as John Waters could go. Yeah. He, he sort of went, went one step further with Hairspray, mm-hmm. which is a mainstream film. Yeah. Uh, with the John Waters touch. Um, this was his first sort of foray into that. So you'd had films um, that we would call trash to pieces, mm. uh, like Pink Flamingos and Female Trouble, um, that pushed boundaries. Yeah. And they were... You know, very um, edgy, very controversial mm. in, in, in many aspects. Whereas this was... It has its moments yeah. of trash, obviously. Um, it is essentially a parody. It, it is a comedy. 
but toned down for John Waters. This was I very think it's much the toned perfect down. starter film for John Waters. If you, if you haven't seen any of his films yes. before, this is the perfect one to watch. Uh, yeah, because I feel Hairspray is, you know, if you watched Hairspray first and says, oh, I'd really love to get into John Waters' mm. films, you're going to have a shock. Yeah. You're going to be surprised. I think this is the perfect starter yeah. film for John Waters. So, um, bit of trivia, he's, John Waters has voiced his pleasure at having audiences pay to smell shit. Because <laughs> this film has an odorama uh, gimmick. Uh, as you'll recall, we spoke about uh, William Castle um, a few episodes ago, or quite a while back. And, uh, he, he, you know, William Castle's main thing was his gimmicks, and John Waters was massively inspired by William Castle, uh, to the point that he created his own gimmick with this film. And uh, it was Odorama, where we you get a scratch and sniff card with the film. You scratch it during certain scenes and you smell what's on the screen. And we, we had it with this, so we'll be talking more in depth about that as we go along. Yeah, so the Criterion Collection um, released this film on Blu-ray. And it included an Odorama that they'd created for the release. Mm. Um, so we'd watched the film previously but just a DVD version without the odorama, uh, hadn't we? Yes. So this was our first time watching the film and, you know, pausing at different times to uh, scratch and sniff. Yeah. <laughs> um, the odorama name and logo is actually later used for Rugrats Go Wild after New Line let the rights expire. Wow. And John Watts was not happy. Uh, it's the first uh, John Waters movie to get an R rating and not an X rating. So, yeah, yeah, so this is him. It is still R-rated. Yeah. Um, there's still many things in this that are very adult. Um, but compared to Divine in a dog shit, yeah. it's toned down. <laughs> so you, you were saying about the Rugrats. Yeah, so Odoram, I remember um, a very British thing called Pantomime. And you, you may have heard of it, you may not have. Uh, which is essentially a theatre play of old fairy tales in the UK around Christmas time, uh, very camp um, retellings of these. For example, Cinderella or Dick Whittington or Aladdin. And I remember when I, we used to go, when I was younger, there would be Scratch and Sniff. Yeah. Was this the first time that was used then? It was, was that... used in the 50s and 60s as well. I see. I thought that because I was surprised if this was the first time it was ever yeah. used. Yeah, it had been done before, um, but I think it's probably promoted it the best. And then obviously it was done in 2011 with Spy Kids 4 as well. <laughs> was it? Yeah, and, and you can buy that with the Odorama thing. With can it. you really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, that's did meant you, to be trash. Did you? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen it. No, it. no. I've never seen any of the Spider-Man films. anyone I haven't seen. Um, so, the look of the film was influenced by the work of 1950s director uh, Douglas Sirk. Yeah, so Douglas Sirk um, was a, a director during the 50s that made very dramatic films. It, it's called melodrama. It's a very melodramatic. These films um sort of had very similar templates each film was was quite similar in in a sense um it would be alcoholic playboys Mm -hmm. usually played by rock hudson uh sexually repressed women um in films like magnificent obsession written on the wind imitation of life where they took these um 
suburban settings or very high class settings, very, very white people in big houses um, having a very dramatic time yeah. over their lovers leaving them for younger women or, you know, uh, a younger man having a relationship with an older woman and uh, the country club um, having taken issues with that. So the very... And they were seen as women's films. Yeah. Very, very women. High camp. Very high camp. Um, so I could see how John Waters would find those films ripe for parody. Yeah. Uh, and we actually have a big name in this film, which is one of the biggest names that John Waters had had up to this stage. It was Tab Hunter. Um, Tab Hunter is a gay actor, and uh, he sings the film's title song. Uh, and he was only working on this film for ten days, between one and two weeks. Yeah, so I'm assuming a big chunk of that budget went on getting securing Tab Hunter. Yeah. Um, so Tab Hunter had been a, a fairly big film star. He'd, yeah. he'd had a number one single as well in, in America. Um, he was very much the heartthrob, very much like Rock Hudson, mm. um, in the sense that he was a gay actor. Um, obviously, couldn't tell anyone at the time. Yeah, uh, I wasn't sure if he was properly out when this film was released. I, I'm not sure, if I'm being honest. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, from the Tab Hunter documentary, Tab Hunter Confidential, which is a very good documentary, actually. Um, but, he, yeah, he was a heartthrob. He was the kind of film star that women had on posters on their wall. You know, he, he was um, commercially successful. His career had dipped a bit during the 70s as, as he'd gone older, uh, gone older, as he'd... Uh, Gotten older. Yeah, grown older. Terribly. <laughs> grown older. There we go, that's the word I want. So he, his career had dipped, and this was the beginning of a resurgence for his career. Yep. Um, so he was a little... He wasn't reluctant, but his agent was. And yeah. the people he knew was would say, oh my God, have you seen John Waters' other films? Mm-hmm. You know, in this film, you're going to have to kiss a man. Yeah, it's a man dressed as a woman, but you're going to have to kiss a man. And pretend to have sex with a man in this film, uh, it would be career suicide, but it did the opposite. Yeah, and it was the first of two films that he actually uh, shared with Divine. He was also in Lust in the Dust and Out of the Dark with Divine. Yeah, I I really want to watch Lust in the Dust. Yeah, that looks like a real fun film. And uh, the the theme song. Speaking of the theme song, it was actually uh, words and music were by Debbie Harry and Chris Stein from Blondie. Yes. And as you mentioned earlier, this is the height of their fame as well. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 great that they would, you know, do do the soundtrack for a yeah. film like this. I mean, we love Blondie, um, so. And we like the songs that they wrote for it. it the, mm. the songs are very uh, matinee idol. Yeah. 50s. Um, Frankie Avalon. It fits you, the yeah. tone of the film perfectly. Yeah, the, the kind of thing that was seen in Greece. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. a few years before, that sort of beauty school dropout style. Mm. And then the kind of songs that Tab Hunter did sing. Yeah. You know, when when he was a heartthrob in, in the 50s. Gene uh, Hill... Uh, who who plays a fantastic role in this film as uh, the lady who hijacks a bus and uh, chases after a car after getting hit by a, a brush. Uh, she bites a tyre in the film and she actually bit it for real. 
It wasn't uh, no staging or anything. I can imagine that <laughs> she had. Uh, she was in Desperate Living, wasn't she? Yeah, previously yeah. to this film and another John Waters film, Desperate Living. And Ken King, who plays uh, Dexter, the son of the family in the film, uh, was actually discovered at a bar. He wasn't an actor. They just met him at a bar and asked him if he wanted to be in the film, and he's in it. <laughs> he does an alright job. In a big as role well. as well. Yeah, he does an alright job. He's he's really funny. I mean, everyone does a great job in this film. Yeah. This is uh, part of American Film Institute's list of 500 films nominated for the 100 Funniest American Films of All Time. Yeah. And I can see that. It genuinely is one of the funniest comedies I've ever seen. It, it's so up there. It's about understanding what the film's trying to do. Yeah, I think a lot of modern audiences don't get it. Um, if you don't understand what's being parodied, mm. and I, I, I think that's always a risk when you know, films are being parodied. Um, if you don't get it, then you're not going to find it funny. Imagine watching Scary Movie yeah, without same, have, yeah. ever having watched Scream. Yeah. E- even just exactly. Scream. You'd have no idea what's going on. Yeah. You don't know why it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and we have a, an understanding of those sort of melodramas yeah. that came out. And then there are, in uh, the, the John Waters twist on it as well there are individual moments that are very funny it's a signature it's a signature john waters yeah dry it, it, it's partially dry humor but a lot of it is very over exaggerated and over the top which is also funny he, he has a very specific way of doing things and edgy as well yeah I mean, th- there's jokes you know no nothing's off limits with a john waters film no. you'll get jokes about you know abortions and, and mm. miscarriages and you know, jokes about race and about... Um... Well, he talks about what's wrong with society a lot. I mean, you know, if you look at something like Hairspray, that has a lot of serious social commentary hidden amongst its humour. Exactly. Um, yeah. Which was kept in for the remake as well. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it, it's showing a love for those melodramas mm. of the 50s and 60s. It's showing a love for them and an, an affinity for them, but also realising that ultimately they were pretty ridiculous. Yeah. And they told stories that no one could relate to. No. So it's obviously we're still in Pride Month. This is still very much a Pride Month episode. What makes this gay? Well, first of all, it's by John Waters, yeah. who is a king of camp, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. It involves divine the greatest drag queen that ever existed, playing a housewife, a downtrodden yeah. housewife, uh-huh. um, and convincingly too. Yeah. Um, it, you know, involves Tab Hunter, who I can't remember, may or may not have been an out actor at the time, mm-hmm. but him as a star name, kissing another man yeah. within the film. That's groundbreaking. Groundbreaking. It was a big deal. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a mainstream movie released by New Line Cinema uh, and Warner Brothers. You know, it's um, from modern day. Uh, you know, that is a big deal. This has had, you know, obviously had Bob Shea's name on it, who later went on to do Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. You know, and this... Scream. And he was on Scream? Was... No, no, Scream no, wasn't New Line. Scream. What am I thinking of? New Nightmare. New Nightmare. New Nightmare. Well, yeah, New, New Line did Lord of the Fucking Rings. Lord of the Rings, yeah. You know, yeah. huge box office success. So this, so New Line essentially started off uh, with uh, Bob Shea. I, I think he was selling old 
Prince of fucking Reefer Madness and shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly. And then he went into producing films. Um, he produced pretty much all of John Waters' films, if I remember I correctly. So, yeah. I, I do think John Waters released all his films via New Line Cinema. Mm-hmm. And then three years after Polyester, because this, this was a, a hit, I believe, yep, but not a massive hit. Um, it wasn't until Nightmare on Elm Street in 84 when New Line really became a big player in, mm. you know, um, cinema, yeah. in box office, essentially, because that was a huge hit, yeah. you know, and spawned sequel after sequel that made more and more money as it went along mm. and masses of merchandise and, you know, they call it the house that Freddie built, John Waters helped establish yeah. that from the beginning. And it makes you realise how little risks are taken nowadays. I mean, you know, we look. We had a conversation earlier. We, you know, look at modern cinema and how uh, something like uh, Moonlight was groundbreaking and something like Midsummer and things like that because they're different because they they include diversity. They include things out of the ordinary. Uh, but then you look at the 80s and you look at New Line Cinema, who became a major studio, and they were pumping out shit like this and Nightmare on Elm Street, which, let's face it, for its time, was out there, completely new. Mm. And, you know, just original. How, how on earth, you know, imagine something like this being released nowadays. And that's the thing. And, and we say that we've come a long way now. And we have, mm. in many respects. But it's just overlooked. Yeah, many stories that are being told now weren't being told before mm. or weren't being told in the right way. Um, I can imagine going to my local cinema and watching <laughs> Tom Cruise um, snog a £300 drag queen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> imagine it. Exactly. <laughs> And this is this is really, really overlooked. It really is. I mean, the fact that they, they released a film that had a drag queen snogging another man on screen and it made money, you know, that is that is really groundbreaking. I, I don't know why it's not speak, spoke about it, why it's not discussed more often. I think because it pushes boundaries in that sense, but unfortunately John Waters to a wider audience would always be yeah. known as the guy who got divine to eat a dog shit yeah yeah unfortunately he'll always be the guy that did pink flamingos and mm. i love pink flamingos i think pink flamingos is a fantastic film but there is a lot more to john waters yeah. than just that you know hairspray is a fantastic mm. film you know he, he isn't just that guy yeah i love him because he is that guy but he's not just yeah. the Pope of Trash. Yeah. There's more to it. And polyester is a great um, sort of centre between those two. Trash and legitimate cinema. Yeah. So, uh, getting into the film, the plot is... A suburban housewife's world falls apart when she finds that her pornographer husband is uh, serially unfaithful to her... A daughter is pregnant and a son is suspected of being the foot fetish, uh, the foot fetishist who's been breaking local women's feet. And you can see it's taking those ideas from the melodrama and amplifying it yeah. massively. So it's the idea of an affair 
okay. But then also, you know, the the, the, the CERN is the notorious foot stomper yes. that isn't going around stomping women's feet, you know, and, and that's that's the, the, the touch that John Waters brings to this. So we, we start off with Dr. Arnold Quackenshaw, who explains what Odorama is. He's been locked away for many years studying it, hasn't he? Yeah, they've spent millions of dollars trying to create this. Yeah, and, and we get our first smell, which was a rose, and from smelling the Odorama card, it smelled like a rose. That was fine. Yeah, it was nice, lovely. The, the first one did what it was nice, supposed to do. A ni- nice, gentle um, introduction yeah. to the Odorama. Uh, the, we get the theme song, sung, of course, by Tab Hunter. He also, sorry, um, Arnold Quackenshaw, um, I quite like this quote. Uh, he says, The producers believe a modern audience are mature enough to realise that some things in life just stink. <laughs> <laughs> so he's explaining that some of the smiles are going to be nice and some of them not so yes. nice. Because that's how life is. So we, we get the, the theme song, the title card, and we get a nice overhead shot of the neighbourhood. and uh, Very suburban go, setting. Yeah, we get to go inside the, uh, the fish poor house. And uh, we get introduced to Francine, who's played by Divine. Yeah, the, the song says, meet your polyester yeah. queen, yeah. Francine. Very, very descriptive of what's happening. It is, it's very, very <laughs> descriptive. A lot of the songs are very descriptive and... and you know, feature Francine yeah. in as a character within the song. Um, I I think the idea is uh, of calling the film polyester is is funny, but also very interesting because polyester we see as you know a very man made substance, very mm. fake. You know, it's not natural. Yeah. Um, but it was very popular at the time. You know, and and mm-hmm. in the suburbs and the housewives. You know, making stuff with polyester. I, I think it's a good title for the film. Well, Francine's uh, shaving her... Well, she's trimming her nose hairs. <laughs> and her armpit yes. hairs. She weighs herself. She's not pleased with the results. She's not. And there's uh, adult film protesters outside who are absolutely fuming because her husband owns a theatre that plays... Uh, what's it called? In the Bush? Oh, yeah. What was it called? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, oh, Burning Bush. Burning Bush. <laughs> Burning Bush. Burning Bush, the, the latest adult film, has been shown at his theatre. So Alma, her husband, turns up, he goes in the house, uh, Francine is panicking about this, and he just tells her to get him a drink. Yeah, so Francine is getting spat on at the supermarket because of yeah. what her husband does. He's very pleased that the people are outside. Yeah, he gets free, him promotion. Free advertising for him. And he literally just says, Francine, fix me a drink. Yeah. And so, she does. The downtrodden housewife from the get-go, isn't she? She's, she's calling everyone for dinner. And we get introduced to my favourite character of the film, Lulu, who <laughs> is the daughter of the family. And she just dances, like, for 80% of this film. She does. Most of her screen time, she's dancing. Uh, she is so over the top. It's hilarious. It really is. She... I mean, obviously, this is a film with Divine, who's an ultimate scene stealer in anything she's in. But even the scenes with Divine, she still manages to steal the scene. Yeah, yeah. And then Dexter's just looking, flipping through a book of she's shoes some feet, yeah. and feet. Um, and uh, Elmer explains that uh, Francine, uh, you and that big nose of yours sniffing around here like an anteater. 
And that's something that's throughout the film is that a lot of the odorama comes from Francine and her incredible sense of smell. Yeah. She has like a, an over-the-top sense of smell that allows her to smell anything at any time. It might sound a little gross on the podcast, but I'm going to do it. A lot of the films, she's like... That's probably the most disgusting thing anyone's ever heard on this podcast. <laughs> so we get a family dinner and uh, they're shouting grace instead of saying grace. Yes. Um, and uh, Lulu's really happy because she sees the TV crew she's like ooh and she does a dance in the window she does do a dance in the window (laughs) Um, Alma goes outside and does uh, press questioning him and he said he'll show any film he wants to show and uh, Francine asks them all to leave to leave them all alone he Uh, explains that Burning Bush is playing daily and gives the times (laughs) one show at quarter past twelve next show in at four o'clock yeah, so they're, they're, getting, uh, they're getting things thrown at Francine now. She's pelted with tomatoes. Yeah. And uh, Freddie Ashton turns up, who is uh, a guy that wants to take Lulu on a date. But I don't know who lets him in the house. He just arrives in the house. Well, I don't think the door's ever locked. No. <laughs> a lot of people just arrive at the house. Yeah, he, he, he just arrives and he wants to take Lulu on a date. He's really silent himself. He's in a suit. Well... He's in a white shirt, tie. Oh, he's very Mike. Um, what's his name? Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, yeah. If Anthony Michael Hall wasn't too young, he would have played. Yeah, Freddie Ashton. Very, very geeky. He's got some flowers. Lulu's uh, dressed all sexy. Comes dancing downstairs. <laughs> yeah, she's got a low cut top on, isn't she? Yeah, and we find out that she's been dancing for all the boys at school. That's how she's making all her money. <laughs> So they, um, <laughs> so Francine, um, uh, says, asks if Freddie is a f- uh, friend of Bobo Belsinger <laughs> because Lulu is forbidden from seeing Bobo. <laughs> I don't know where these names come <laughs> from in this film. Um, but he's not, he's not. So Freddie and Lulu get in the car. Yeah, he tells her she looks nice. She uh, she ridicules him for being so polite. Yeah. <laughs> and they come in the drive off, a car pulls up in front of them with some real bad boys in it. One of which is obviously Bobo. Yes. So Lulu Baseball leaves bat. With baseball bat in hand. <laughs> Very much uh, juvenile delinquent. Yeah. Very rebel without a cause. Um, and uh, this is a theme you'd see again in Crybaby. Yeah. Another yeah. John Waters film. Uh, yeah, the whole idea of the juvenile delinquent runs quite quite a lot through his films yeah uh, i feel um but yeah so uh lulu leaves with bobo and bobo's friend yeah she has a dance outside the car first of course she does yeah <laughs> uh, and they are they drinking i'm assuming they're yeah drinking. yeah they're drinking that's what juvenile delinquents do and then they go driving around with a with a broom and uh and they start just hitting random people with the broom. They're spanking them, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> so they're driving round. So it's, um, oh, whatever, I think Stand By Me style. A very 50s yeah. idea of these kids driving around, usually with a baseball bat, um, knocking down, um, what they're called, we don't have them here, post boxes. Mm. Like the American style post box at the end of their driveways. Um, knocking them down 
what these kids do is go around with a broom spanking women. <laughs> well, spanking people on the ass as they go past. And they pick the wrong person, don't they? So they spank a, um, a rabbi to begin with. He starts having a go at them. They spank a Chinese woman afterwards and she has a go at them. And then they spank um, Jean Hill. Yeah. And uh, she, she's a large lady and she's dressed... She's dressed as if she's going to the choir. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like she's about to go to church and she does not take too kindly to it, does she? No, so she hijacks a bus, uh, chucks the driver out, chases him, gets off the bus, bites the tyre of the car and uh, starts slapping Bobo. Yeah, she must have some fucking strong teeth to be able to do that. But this is this is what's so great about John Waters, is the fact that this scene is just completely out of nowhere and so over the top but it's just hilarious. The whole thing's great. Yeah, and it, it it's also I love is that John Waters casts a lot of quirky actors and actresses. Um, that you know, let, let's be honest, they wouldn't get jobs anywhere no. else. Um, and he he had his you know team of players really. Yeah. Um, including Divine, and Gene Hill, Cookie Mueller, Mink Stoll. You know, uh, Vivian Pierce mm-hmm. as, as well, and they all feature in this film in either big or small roles, and I love that, and I I love seeing. These... He had a collective name for them. Yeah, the Dreamlanders. I think Dreamlanders. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Um, and I I love seeing these quirky characters in these films. Yeah. Um, Edith Massey, who's got quite a big role in she this has. film, is is one of my favorites because. She's just there's so much charm to her. Yeah. She can't act for shit, no. let's be honest. But there's so much charm to yeah. these people, and I love to see them um, in these films. And Jean Hill's one of them, because she was in um, uh, A Desperate Living previously. Yeah, so I mean, after this scene, uh, Francine and Alma are in bed, and they're watching the news, uh, where the protesters are on there. And uh, a woman says, well, his his theatres care for sex offenders. And it's just like these little snippets of people just ranting about uh, about the theatre, the adult theatre. Yeah, and then Elma's Elma's like, I think my theatre stops rape. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Uh, The stomper is on the news. He's, He's at large again. He's at large. He's stamped on two women's feet recently. Yeah. And, uh... And yeah, and then that's when you talk about the theatre. And Francine says her prayers to ask for forgiveness for her husband's showing adult films. And uh, we get the next Smalarama. Yes, so this, this is a little deceiving because Francine gives a good old... Smalarama, s- Odorama. Odorama. So Francine has a good old sniff of an air freshener. Mm-hmm. The number two pops up yeah. in the bottom right-hand corner... And Elma farts. Yeah. For me, it smelled like a shitty horse stable. <laughs> I struggled with this one, if I'm being honest. Uh, but I was getting whiffs of horse stable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Elma is dreaming and he says, easy, Sandra. So, uh, Francine sniffs out a motel receipt. Out of his jacket. Out a motel receipt. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next minute, we're having a short family breakfast to show how dysfunctional they are again. And uh, Francine's mum pays a visit. 
Well, what <laughs> what does Lulu say at breakfast? So, um, Francine's overslept, so everyone's had to get their own breakfast, shock horror of it all. <laughs> um, Elma's fuming. And so Elma tries to have breakfast with Dexter and Lulu. Um, he informs... Dexter, that he looks like a fruit because of his short hair. <laughs> Why doesn't he let it grow out? Um, he asks Lulu how school's been going. And she says, I learned all about my cervix and sex ed yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's these moments that make the film so funny. <laughs> this is completely irreverent, you know, quote, quotable lines. It's so great. So Francine's mum turns up. And uh, she wants Francine to take a shopping. And this, so this is another person that doesn't feel the need to knock at the door before entering. No, she just she walks in even when no one's at home. And <laughs> then she also walks into the bathroom whilst Francine's having, yeah. having a piss on the toilet. And she says, I don't know why you bother. You've always retained your fluids. <laughs> and then this is when we're introduced to Cuddles, who's played by Edith Massey. And she arrives in her limo. Uh, we find out she was Francine's cleaning lady until she got an inheritance from one of the whole places where she was cleaning. Yes. Uh, and now she's just her best friend. <laughs> but, uh, Francine's mum is disgusted by Cuddles, though, yeah. so she leaves straight away. <laughs> she orders her a cab, she leaves, and Cuddles is in a heavenly mood today. Why is that? Uh, she's got her debutante party coming up. <laughs> yeah. Now, debutante party, uh, I'm, I, I struggle, I'm not really sure what it means. What I feel it means is like Gone with the Wind, where uh, a young girl who's ready at the age to be married is, she's has like a coming out party, but not like a gay coming out party, mm. but have a party where eligible bachelors are there and, you know, the families get together and they kind of decide who she's going to marry. Very old fashioned. Mm-hmm. That's what I assumed it was. Um, and I always stick to that because I think that's what it was. Well, she's also feeling heavenly because she's got a second load of the uh, inheritance coming through as she well. She has. So they decide to celebrate by eating half a cake each. <laughs> yeah, a massive cake. <laughs> it's a massive cake. And then so like, uh, Francine's cutting it. But then we cut away. Mm. And then when we come back, they both got half the cake yeah. each anyway. <laughs> and... Uh, Sandra calls up, uh, who is played by Mick Stoll. She calls up and says that Alma won't be home because she's his secretary. Uh, he won't be home and he's away on business. Yeah, so... She looks like Lady Gaga. She looks exactly like Lady Gaga. She, like, really does. She's got cornrows in her hair. Um, very Bo Derek. They don't suit her. No. Unfortunately, and uh, we watched an interview with Mink Stolen. She said that it completely ruined her hair, having yeah. the cornrows in. But she, she looks like Bo Derek in 10, mixed with Lady Gaga. <laughs> um, if you can imagine that. I'm sure we'll be posting a comparison pic sometime this <laughs> week on our Instagram. That, she, yeah, she, she's... Uh, I'm a secretary, said he won't be home tonight. But uh, Sandra... Sandra? What about Sandra? Francine is, uh, she knows something's going on. She does. And uh, we get to see Sandra and Alma in the office. So Sandra's in her uh, bra and stockings. Yeah. Elmer's got his trousers off. And he's playing a bit of golf. Yeah, and uh, Sandra says that Francine's a cow. 
And she's very excited. Why is she very excited? Why is she excited? Because she's got her oral contraception. Oh, she has, yeah. And Elmer's very excited. He's got condoms. He's got condoms. And it's the black ones. Sandra's favourite. Yeah. And uh, as if the day couldn't get any worse for Francine, she gets a call from the school principal, uh, who's a Dexter didn't tell to school, but he's being expelled anyway because he's criminally insane. Yes, yeah, so Dexter's, Dexter's been playing truant a lot recently. Uh, the school believe he's criminally insane and he's being expelled. Yeah. And, and is, we get this a lot through the film. Yeah. Is that one thing happens to Francine and then another thing and then another thing and then another thing <laughs> afterwards. And uh, and this, this is when we get to see that he is in fact the, uh, the foot stomper. Yes. Yeah, so Dexter's hanging around the shops. And uh, he's waiting for a woman to come out of the shop, yes. isn't she? Uh, isn't he? And he stomps on her foot. She's sat on the floor in agony, <laughs> screaming. And he's just there jumping around laughing at her. Um, I mean, it's, it's these weird moments in the film that make it a John Waters film. And this is what's funny, because in any other film, like, all these bad, terrible things happening to this poor woman who eventually has a breakdown... It would be a really serious and emotional storyline. <laughs> yeah, it would. <laughs> but not this time around. But that's the melodrama of it all. Yeah. It's, it's drama amplified to the, the umpteenth degree. Uh, I mean, speaking of which, Cuddles is asked to go and spy on, uh, on Alma at the motel. And she proceeds to do this by calling a limo driver, going outside, hiding behind a tree... And then getting inside a limo and telling him to drive fast because he needs to catch her out. And Edith Massey's a like, she's a big lady. So very little percentage of her was covered by this tree. And, and there's no absolutely no need for her to be hiding behind the tree. No. Anyway. <laughs> no. So. <laughs> so Francie's washing up. Yeah. Uh, she's doing the dishes. And Lulu comes in and decides to dance, as always. Yeah. Uh, shakes up a bottle of Coke and starts spraying it everywhere. Um, she shows her report card. What's on her report Straight card? Fs. Straight F's. Straight F's. Which uh, Lulu, <laughs> Lulu um, explains F stands for fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So she's actually doing very well. Yeah, but Francie's not having any of it. She tells her she's a cheerleader now at the school. She's, uh, she's doing all these achievements, but she, Francine's just not having it. So The actual truth is... She's quit she's, school. She's quit school. And she's decided she's going to be a go-go dancer. At the Flaming Cave Lounge. Flaming Cave. Francine is obviously appalled by yes. this. She, she goes, she gets sent to her room. She climbs out of a window and she goes to meet Bobo, who's got plasters and such from where he got slapped around earlier on. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> um, so, and they, uh, they drive off. Cuddles is doing her spying and she sees Alma and Sandra... And she says she's straight from the gutter. <laughs> and, and then she's, she says, poor Francine, poor, poor Francine. What uh, Edith Massey says is, poor Francine, poor, poor Francine. <laughs> and it was on one of the uh, featurettes is that it drove John Waters absolutely insane <laughs> yeah. that Edith Massey was incapable of saying the word poor. <laughs> and it all always came out as p- 
her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I think adds to the charm oh, yeah. of her and the charm of the character. <laughs> um, but apparently it did drive John Waters <laughs> absolutely crazy. Frank- take after take. <laughs> yeah. Well, Francine's in bed and the foot stompers on the news again and they release a sketch this time looking like Dexter. Yeah, and Francine's a little suspicious briefly, isn't she? She so- is. Um, but, but she can smell something outside, can't she? Yeah, she's... Uh, she's get number three. So, how I described smell number three on the odorama was it smelt like petroly or, or glue. And, yeah. and you were the same. So I, I put lemon down. Lem- yeah. It was a little lemony as well, yeah. actually. Lemony, uh, but petroly, yeah. So what it actually is, is Bobo and Lulu sniffing glue out the front. <laughs> yeah. So they're in their car. I'm assuming it's sniffing glue. I'm, I'm not too familiar with sniffing it, glue. It is. It is. Francine it's says. in like a brown paper. Oh, is that what yeah, she yeah. says? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Um, yeah, so Francine goes out to stop them and she, she gets a whack from Bobo. Yeah, she has a fight with Bobo. She has a fight. <laughs> and which is hilarious because obviously Divine is a 300-pound drag queen and Bobo was played by quite a... a, a Small, quite skinny yeah. uh, actor. Uh, so it was quite a funny scene to watch. Um, Dexter sniffing something as well. I think it's poppers. It looks like it. It looks, yeah. Uh, it's amyl nitrate, they call it, or poppers, I don't know. Uh, he, so he, he's sniffing that something's not right with him and he just uh, he stomps his mum's foot. He does. <laughs> Lulu's smashing things up. She seems to get over it better than the yeah, other people that get stomped. It barely affects her. <laughs> Lulu's smashing things up, and uh, we find out she's two months pregnant. Mm. She's getting an abortion, and she can't wait. She says, yeah, I'm not marrying him. I'm getting an abortion, and I can't wait. (laughs) Francine just can't take another heartache. No, so she gets a call from Cuddles. (laughs) But she's going to get one. She gets a call from Cuddles, and she says, he's here, Francine. At first, I thought he was walking a dog, but then I realised it was his date. (laughs) Sickening burn. <laughs> and obviously, you know, you're watching the film and you see that Mink Stoll is clearly a very beautiful woman. She's clearly <laughs> nothing. She is actually. Yeah, she's really, this really attractive that is, woman. That is the funniest part is that Mink Stoll is, is a beautiful lady. <laughs> but she's constantly being referenced to as a dog. Or <laughs> What's that? She's from the gutter. She's from the gutter and she's trash. Francine and Cuddles go to the motel. She's been supportive friend, hasn't she, Cuddles? She is. They go to the motel, they find the room, they burst in, they start taking pictures. Yes. We get pictures some... never come back into it. I don't know why they're taking pictures That's for. evidence of the coitus interruptus, <laughs> as Francine describes it. They're taking the pictures and uh, Francine wants a divorce. Uh, we get a long list of all the things that Alma's been buying Sandra. Yeah, like rings and stuff. And, and Francine <laughs> says, well, why won't... Why won't you think of the children? And uh, Elma says, those bastards are a good <laughs> argument for birth control. <laughs> Sandra says they've got no time for kids anyway because they'll get in the way of their erotic lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. So they leave their motel with, um, with Francine and Cuddles inside and Francine just starts drinking their wine. And she then does. she goes on a long... Uh, for, for a long montage of drinking... Yeah, so um, she's now an alcoholic to deal with her issues. Very Douglas Turk. Yeah. Um, she walks through the house in a daze. 
And she's got, like, shit down her top and everything. <laughs> yeah. Haggard. She does uh, look haggard. Alma calls up, starts making pig noises. And then they get a knock on the door and we get smelt smel- uh, smel- number four, should I say. And this is the most, probably most accurate one. <laughs> yeah, I described it as spicy, paprika, yeah. a little bit of cinnamon. I thought paprika. And then when you realise what it is, it makes sense. It's pizza. It's pizza. The pizza delivery. Loads of pizza deliveries. Yes, yeah, so she's not actually ordered any pizzas. This is uh, more Elmer and Sandra harassment. Yeah. She gets another phone call from them and they're making sex noises down the <laughs> Oh, and we we see them on the and on the other side we get a bit of a split screen and they're just standing around the phone making these noises. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lulu comes in and takes uh, some money from Francine's purse. Yeah, she's all dressed up for abortion day. Yeah, she yeah she's gonna get a cab to the abortion. She says, "I can feel it like a cancer inside of me, growing inside of me like the blob. <laughs> Someday it will rip its way out of me." To steal every last bit of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We shouldn't laugh at stuff. But I don't know. It's the irreverence of John Waters that's kind of lets you laugh at these things. Yeah. It's so over the top. And, you know, funny. Yeah. That it allows you to laugh at these things. And they say, I'm not... I don't agree 100%, but, you know, some people say you can joke about whatever you want. Just make sure it's funny. Yeah. You know, and John Waters does. He does make sure it's funny. Francine's mum arrives, and we get smell number five, which I thought was similar to the pizza, uh, but then it kind of made sense once you realised what it was. One issue with the odorama is that if one smell was a lot stronger than the other one next to it. Sometimes I got a whiff of that yeah. one as well. So I had to, like, put my thumbs over to stop it. Yeah, this one was definitely one of those. Um, but this was gasoline. Yeah, so Francine's mother pretends it's alcohol, gives it to her, and it's gasoline. Yes. Alma's going around in a car, bad mouth in Francine. <laughs> they are, yeah. Alma and Sandra <laughs> So he's got like a speak. It's like it's very American, you know. Yeah. That sort of stuff here, but the the sort of speakerphone on top of the car, and he says she wait. Uh, Francine, um, what's his surname? Fishpaw. Francine Fishpaw. She weighs three hundred pounds. She once ate a whole cake in one sitting. <laughs> She's the hairiest woman I've ever seen. <laughs> She's an alcoholic. She's an alcoholic. The cuddles arrives to save the day, dressed like a horse jockey. Um, she's arrived to take Francine shopping. And uh, on the way to shopping, they, uh, is this when she sees Todd for the first time? Yes, yeah, just very briefly sees Todd. And, so uh, we're, we're 46 minutes into the film. Yeah. It's very clear that the budget only allowed Tab Hunter for 10 days. Yeah. Um, it works. For the film, uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll explain that later. But um, yeah, it's very obvious. Yeah, because <laughs> we're almost, we're about halfway through the film now. We are halfway through the film, yeah. and this is the first we see of Tab Hunter. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so they go shopping. Uh, Cuddles is trying on some clothes. She rips it, don't she? She rips she's it. trying it on. She's going to the French designer shops. Yeah, Francine pukes in her handbag, and they're both kicked out. <laughs> Um, 
Dexter is in a supermarket now and he's eyeing up a new foot to stomp on. Uh, but this time when he does it, he gets captured by a bunch of people. Yes, he's uh, taking it too far now and he's caught. Yeah, Francine goes to her AA meeting and it's uh, it really is so funny. It's so, it's so over-exaggerated. This is probably one of the most over-exaggerated things in the film. Yeah, so they introduce Francine and they say, you come up and say a few words. And the whole sort of... It's almost a crowd, really, yeah. of people there are shouting at her to get up, get up there, <laughs> talk, talk, talk. Until she gets up and they're like, say it, say it. And she says, my name is Francine Fishpaw and <laughs> I'm an alcoholic. And they all just cheer like... They start cheering. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Then Lulu's at the abortion clinic and we get some anti-abortion protesters running in. Yeah. So slap around the face. The pro-life <laughs> protesters go in and one of them's got a um, doll of a baby on a crucifix covered in blood. Uh, hasn't he? Yeah. And, um, Someone's she... got an actual baby waving it in her face. Yes, and she gets slapped in the face. And uh, they say, what if Mary and Joseph had an abortion? What if JFK's mother had an abortion? What if Einstein's mother had an abortion? So she she can't take any more. She goes home, she tries to give herself an abortion. And uh, Francine tries to stop this by calling some nuns in. (laughs) The nuns arrive, uh, they put Lulu in the boot of the car, and they take her to... uh, like a rundown church where there's loads of other pregnant girls. Yeah. And then they go for a hayride. <laughs> they go for a hayride. So I, don't, I wasn't really sure what a hayride was, but it looks like it's just a big truck with a load of hay at the back and they're all on it. It's pissing it down with rain yeah. and they're all going for a ride. I didn't really get that. <laughs> they're just <laughs> shouting at them about abortions. Yeah. Um, Francine has a dream about uh, a pe- the pizza guy from earlier. Yeah, but he's has, in a jock strap. Yes, yeah, so she has a, a sexy dream. It's very uh, total eclipse of the heart. Yeah. Um, and he climbs through the window and takes his trousers off, and he's wearing a jock strap. Um, so his ass hanging out. And <laughs> this then, is a mainstream film. Yeah. So th- this is where you know the the John Waters touch yeah. is still there. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and then we see Tab Hunter. Who's wet and topless with yep. a towel around his neck. So she's having a good old dream about him as well. She's rudely awoken by the police who arrived. They knock the door once and say, let us in. And then they just break the door down. A sledgehammer. Um, they go in. They go into Dexter's room. They reveal he's been arrested. And they find all this foot fetish stuff in his room. <laughs> like it's ma- definitely him. Like mannequin foot and everything. <laughs> um, Cuddles arrives. Uh, and now she is in full tennis gear. Yes. So uh, Francine has tied a noose to the fridge. Yeah. And she's trying to hang herself, but obviously can't because the, <laughs> it's a fridge. the rope's not high enough. It's just from the fridge. The, <laughs> Francine wants to take her for a picnic to cheer her up. So uh, they get in the car. Uh, they come across Todd again. And uh, they eye each other up, her and Fran- him and Francine. And uh, they go for their picnic, which is, uh, you know, it's a lovely day. It, uh, Puddles can't understand why 
Francine's so upset with the world when it's such a beautiful place. Kiddle says, Francine, happiness is a picnic in the woods. <laughs> Take it all in, nature. Doesn't it make you happy? And then they're covered in ants. They're covered in ants. They're eating the sandwiches. They've got ants in their pants. And, uh, and then this is when we get the next odorama. Odorama six. Number six. And this, I thought was sushi. It smelled like it sushi. It smelled like sushi. But it was a skunk. A skunk. So the skunk appears from nowhere. To ruin the picnic. Yeah. Poor Francine. Just nothing's going right for her. No. So, um, yeah. So after this, the, the runaway, Francine's mum's just let herself into the house. She's on the phone. Um, she says the divorce has come through. $2,000 a month <laughs> and the house. Time to put our plans in action. And it, one of the most random scenes in this film. <laughs> yeah. This is such a random scene. It's so... I don't even know why it's so funny. It, it's so harsh, but it's so funny. I, I, don't, I don't know why. It's just so out of nowhere. They get trick or tr- she gets trick-or-treaters at the door. And uh, it's, it's Bobo and his friend. And uh, she, she doesn't give him anything. So uh, she's informed that she'll have to get a, uh, a trick. Because she ain't got no treats. So they trash the house. And they shoot her. But then she shoots Bobo. <laughs> Lulu comes home and finds him. Um, <laughs> but this is this is the melodrama. Yeah, here. this is this is the ridiculous. The, yeah, so <laughs> Francine comes home. Uh, we get Odorama Seven, which I it, it smelled like rotten burning. Yeah, but it is actually gas, and this is this is actually the most disgusting one on this the whole was, card. This was rank. Like, this took me by surprise. It's I said it smelled like burnt rubbish. Yeah, like um, like a fire at a bloody. Tip. Oh, yeah, this, this completely overtook uh, number eight. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it uh, did. Yeah, so strong. It, it was disgusting. It stayed up my nose for a while, um, but it was actually gas because Lulu was trying to gas herself in the oven. She was, but who actually successfully killed themselves in the kitchen? Uh, it was the dog. The poor dog. The dog. Dog hung itself and left a note saying goodbye, cruel world, and had some paw print, paw prints on there. Um, Dexter comes home uh, the next day. He's completely rehabilitated. I think this must be the halfway point in the film because everything completely changes from this moment onwards. Yeah. He, he comes home, he's being completely rehabilitated. He looks like a new person. Uh, he's a foot artist now. He is. He just uh, he uses he just his... Draws uh, a lot of feet and shoes. Yeah, he uses his fetish for art. Um, he gave uh, his mum one for the kitchen. Yeah, uh, but he's keeping one of them for his room. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he uh, he takes her inside to Francine. He gets her to pour her alcohol down the sink. Yes. Lulu's a changed person now. What she discovered? Uh, macrame. Yeah. Now, macrame is, I feel, a very American thing. And I'd heard of it, but didn't know what it was until I watched this film. Yeah. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, and it, it, I don't know how to describe it, it's like uh, weaving. Mm. It's, it's She created like, it, it's like weaving, but with a fabric. So it looked like she'd used wool or something to yeah. create um, what looked like a lampshade for a ceiling light um, out of wool, but it was kind of... I don't know, diamond shaped. Just Google it. 
Just Google it. It's hard to describe. They're a, they're a normal happy She's family basically now, aren't a hippie. they? Basically yeah. a hippie, isn't she? Well, they're a normal American family now. They're all happy. Uh, just like that. The next day after all that happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, this is what it's parodying, you know. Uh, Francine pours one drink down the sink and she's cured. Yeah. The uh, whole family's cured. The whole family's <laughs> cured. The juvenile delinquents have, you know, gone away. One's been murdered. And they've come back. <laughs> Seemingly, I, I, I'm assuming he should have gotten way more time in prison than he did. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> they come back and they're new people. They're clean cut. They're yeah. good old fashioned kids now. Um, Francine goes to visit her mum in hospital and stands up to her. Oh, yeah, she tells her a mum about herself, finally. Yeah, and then she's uh, she's in a cab on the way home, and she sees uh, she sees Todd, and he waves her over. He's at a crime... Well, pretty much a crime scene. It's uh, a crash scene of an accident, and uh, it's completely bloody and over the top. The head's on the floor. Yeah, they're having a good flirt whilst there's a decapitated head yeah. on the floor. A paramedic throws the head into a bush somewhere. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he does actually <laughs> Todd offers to take Francine out and uh, we get number 8 on the odorama and this is the one where I could hardly smell a thing there's a little bit of leather where well, he says I've got something to show you and it's long sleek and powerful and uh, we get odorama 8 I got a little hint of leather yeah a, a tiny bit but mainly you could just smell the gas from, from number 7 yeah yeah it was a, um, so what he shows is his brand new car yeah so it, it, I think they were going for leather it looks like, the exact same as his other car yeah. <laughs> but it's like a, a new car smell yeah um, yeah very leathery so he drives her away and we get a montage of them doing romantic things together like feeding a horse yeah jumping in some hay <laughs> Letting a butterfly go. Yes. <laughs> uh, Alma and uh, Sandra are changing a tyre on the side of the road and they drive past them. Yeah, so they're bickering on the side of the road. Yeah. Uh, Francine and Todd drive past in his convertible. Sandra's fuming because Alma doesn't have a nicer car. Says, why don't you go back to Francine? She <laughs> she can find a man with great taste in cars. <laughs> So Francine takes Todd home. They uh, she introduces him to the children. Uh, he recognizes Dexter from somewhere. He recognizes him from the news. <laughs> but he's a reformed character, as they explain. Yeah, and uh, he gives him a pat on the back. Says, "Well done, for uh, for improving yourself." Uh, and then he gives Francine an "I love you." Yeah. So he he says, "Well, why don't you show me the bedroom?" And he says. Read my lips. I love you. And again, this is much like the rehabilitation thing. It is so fast. It happens all in one go. He's only and, just speaking to her. And that's kind of how Tab Hunter not, you know, not being yeah. available for the whole film actually works. Yeah. Because, again, it's the joke is um, these people, you know, say I love you so quick. And they're so quick to say I love you and it's so over the top. Yeah. And it's, you know, um, that's the joke. And I think that's how that sort of helped. 
I'm not sure if it was planned that way, and you know, but it, it helps with that joke. Yeah. The fact that Tab Hunter was only in sort of half the film. Yeah, because this is when they have their uh, their kiss, and then uh, it's implied they've had sex, and then next minute he proposes to her. Yes. <laughs> and she says yes, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, after this, he tells her that uh, he could afford to bring you know, to live in a house of her and the kids because he owns the Edmondson Drive-In Cinema. Yes, and the Edmondson Drive-In Cinema is a posh cinema. Yeah. Uh, we only show first-run art films, <laughs> and you can enjoy caviar and champagne, can't you, at yes. this drive-in cinema? <laughs> he, he takes her there, um, seemingly just so he could do a bit of cocaine and then leave. <laughs> Who does he do cocaine with? Wait, he calls it angel dust. I'm not sure what the difference is between cocaine and angel. I'm I think not it's really pr- sure. I think is yeah, it the same thing? I think so. I'm sorry, I'm not up on my drugs terminology. <laughs> uh, but he d- he does it with Francine's mum though, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. So they both enjoy a bit of angel dust. Uh, and then uh, then he and Francine leave. They go dancing, and it's uh, Cuddles' uh, party, isn't it? Yes, finally, Cuddles' debutante party. She's been uh, looking forward to this. Her and her limo driver have a dance on their own on She's the wearing dance floor. Like a white dress, isn't she, in a tiara? Is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Edith Massey's, um, oh, she must have been in her 50s when this yeah. film was made. So they uh, they have a dance, and then the limo driver proposes to her. Yes. And of course she says yes. She does. Um, well, they had a longer relationship than Tom well, and Francine. Yeah, I mean, no sign of romance, but you know. <laughs> he was always there for her, wasn't he? Um, so Francine and Todd go home. Uh, they have sex, and uh, Sandra and Alma break in. Yeah, well, they don't break in. Doors never locked. Oh, that's true. It's true. <laughs> but I mean, they've got guns, so they, they've got bad They've intent. both got guns, and they're sneaking around the house. But of course, that isn't the only dramatic thing that happens. Um, no. Todd is up to something. He sneaks off. And uh, Francine notices he's gone. And she finds him making out of her mother on the couch. Yes. So they've been in it together the whole time. Yeah. So they were going... Todd and Francine were going to get married. And then they were going to get the house. And live happily together, weren't they? They were. And then we get number nine on the Orama. Uh, which smelt a little sweet. Yeah, I, I thought it smelt sweet. But it was meant to be dirty trainers. <laughs> well, it was. Um, so it was Francine's mum shoving flowers in her face and then sneaking a pair of dirty old yeah. trainers or sneakers into her face. Uh-huh. So I don't know what this odor no. was going for. Was it the flowers? Because it smelled flowery. It couldn't have been going for just smelly sneakers. No. So was it meant to be flowery, smelly sneakers? I've no idea. But it, it was. It was a very sweet one. Um, a lot more stronger than the last one. Yes. So, Dexter and Lulu were woken. Yeah. Dexter uh, saves the day. Yeah. So. Um, Sandra and Elmer are on their way downstairs while all this is going on in the front room. Um, Dexter sees what's going on, stamps on Sandra's <laughs> foot, which makes her shoot Elmer. <laughs> Lulu strangles Sandra with her macrame. <laughs> uh, Todd and Francine's mum um, sell Lulu and Dexter off. <laughs> so he, he gets his 
limo driver or someone who works for a cinema to come in and take them away. Yeah. So Lulu's going to be sold to the whorehouse (laughs) and Dexter's being sold to some other house where men are going to get it off with him. I I don't... Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to... Creepy old men, apparently. Yeah, with creepy old men, yeah. And uh, then Todd and Francine's mum... Who her name is never said, is no, it? It's just Francine's no. mum. They call the mental asylum to pick up Francine, so that they can blame everything on her. Yeah. So before they call the police, uh, they call the <laughs> mental asylum because they're just gonna trust Todd's word on this. Yeah, Francine's mum wants to move to Miami. Yes. And get a facelift so they can be free, white, rich, and happy. <laughs> And that's the thing. I mean, as as much as this is all, you know, a, a parody and satire on uh, suburban living, it's very much a satire on white privilege as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's what the, the, these melodramas were. Yeah. They were suburban white stories. Um, the only one that touches on race is, in Douglas Sirk that, that I know of is Imitation of Life. And that's iffy in itself. That's mm. very iffy. Um, but they were very white, middle-class, high-class films about very white, privileged issues. Yeah. You know? Um, and this is ridiculing that. And you can see with a phrase like, excuse me, free, white, rich, and happy. Yeah. You know, you you know that that's what's being uh, parodied, that's what's being ridiculed. So... Our hero of the film again, Cuddles, arrives to save the day. She does. She, she does save the day, actually. She always saves the day. Yeah, she, she runs over Todd. Well, her limo driver runs over Todd and then Francine's mum. Yes, she accidentally hits into Todd. He's dead on the floor. Um, uh, the limo driver then uh, reverses, not noticing Francine's mum, runs her over... The day is saved. For some reason, the, the people that was that they sold the kids to just let them go. Yeah, he's like, I'm having no part of this. <laughs> yeah, they just let them go. Well, it's, uh, he, he's, um, uh, he was a black character. Mm. So he was like, I ain't having nothing to do with these white people <laughs> problem. I'm going. <laughs> I'm out of it. <laughs> so he, he lets them out of the car and... Uh... Which, you know... Um, he doesn't say explicitly, but I'm assuming it's because he assumes it'll all be blamed on him yeah. in some way. Yeah. So he's out of there before uh, the cops come along. And uh, and then the day's saved and they, they all uh, embrace each other. They're all happy. Uh, Francine sprays some air freshener, which <laughs> it, it smells exactly like air freshener. She's randomly got some air freshener yeah. in her hand for some reason. I don't know where she got it from. And uh, yeah, so to, to mark... The end of the film and the happy ending yeah. of the film. She starts spraying some air freshener. Odorama number 10. It smells like flowery air freshener. Yeah. And we <laughs> get a nice way to finish. We get the film's title song and that's the end of the film. Yes. So, yeah, it, it really is. Uh, I mean, for me, that's, that is John Waters' best film. It's, it's just got everything you could possibly want in there for a John Waters film. I, I don't know what more he could possibly do for a perfect film. Yeah. I mean, it's... obviously, it's not the only film of his I've gave five out of five stars to. I think he's got many perfect films, but for me, this just, it's just the height of it. It's easily accessible. 
to an audience. Yeah. Um, it's got laugh out loud moments. Yeah. I I would compare it to Airplane. Yeah. Uh, and I think it does on the poster as well. I'll compare it to Airplane. In the sense of it's parodying these series of films that are, you know, ripe for parody. Yeah. Uh, because they're so over the top. Um, there's a lot of material there. But there are many irreverent moments within the film that also make it accessible. Mm-hmm. You know, to watch Airplane, you, you don't necessarily have to have watched Towering Inferno, Airport, Airport 74 or whatever. Mm. Um, you don't necessarily have to have watched the Douglas Sirk films to appreciate polyester. Yeah. But knowing them mm-hmm. just adds to it. Yeah. But because there's so many irreverent, laugh-out-loud moments mm. in the film, it's still a good time, a great film to watch, and a hilarious film yeah. to watch, no matter what. Yeah, it's basically John Waters just saying, you know, do you know how stupid your films look? Yeah. You know... But also, but also with a love of those films. Yeah, yeah. Because we would watch them now. The ones that I see in *Imitation of Life*, you know, it what I enjoyed the camp. I enjoyed mm. the melodrama. I enjoyed it for what it is. It was looked at a different way at the time, but you know, it's it's films like that that brought about the soap opera. You know, mm-hmm. without those sort of films, you wouldn't have had uh, Dallas or Dynasty or anything like that. Yeah. You wouldn't have had those, which are enjoyable for... They're not saying great things about the world. They're not... I, I feel like I say this so much during this podcast, but it always rings true. You know, we're not talking about, you know, Bergman... Or, you know, we're not talking about Schindler's List or films that really get into mm. the, the heart of things or have something really serious to show yeah. or really serious to say. It's not about that. It's about sitting down and having a great time watching a ridiculous film. You, yeah. You know? Yeah. And sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes that's all you want. You know, we've made a fucking podcast about it. Yeah. <laughs> about these films. Um, and Polyester does that so well, and, and the Douglas Sirk films did that so yeah. well, but you have to look at them for what they are. And perfect for Pride Month as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful um, LGBT film. So that was Polyester, and uh, if you've seen it, you know, let us know your favourite John Waters film, let us know what you love about Polyester. We're on episode 50, let us know your favourite episode of ours. <laughs> I I tell your favourite episode. Oh god, uh uh probably Demon Wind. That that was uh, a lot of fun. Demon Wind. Oh my god, I hated that film. Spice World maybe. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Um I I can certainly tell you my least favourite and that's fucking Beast of Bunny. This is my least oh, favourite film of all time. God, yeah. My favourite mo <laughs> just reminiscing here. Um I, I did enjoy that rant that I personally had about that poor actress uh, from Texas Chainsaw 3D. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God bless her. Yeah, that, that was the highlight of my life. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, at a time when you like told the entire plot of the Human Condition trilogy at the end of one episode for like ten minutes. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> anyway, so uh, this is uh, original versus remake week. On Friday, we'll be releasing an original versus remake episode on prom night. Yeah, prom night. Yeah. Everything is alright. <laughs> you can look forward to that and much more. Um. And if you're on social media, get in touch on Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horror Court Trash on Twitter, and uh, leave us some nice comments on iTunes, maybe, you know, rate, review, subscribe, all that, like, follow, and everything else. I'm DeadeyeGaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, GazCruise92 on Twitter. I am ChrisBarker823 on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Follow me, and I might start posting a little more. Well, I mean, you know, don't don't take his word for that. He never posts. <laughs> I try. So we'll see you on Friday. Bye.